How y'all doing this morning? Um, had an interesting week, to, to say the least. Um, it was a good week, and I hope you understand whenever I say that. Um, you have to hear my whole heart. You know, uh, Tuesday kind of changed our week. We was playing cards, hanging out at my house with our grow group, just relaxing. And um, got a phone call and had to leave real quick because um, we had a death in the family. And so Tuesday night, we walked through that and through the whole week. And yesterday I had the, the honor to um, officiate that. And then um, Wednesday, me and my dad had the opportunity to go to Prairieville, Louisiana, and present the gospel to a, gr a group of students. And so since then, I've been able to hear back from that student minister. He'll text me, hey, this student accepted Christ. Hey, this group of students rededicated. Hey, this student just, I just talked to them and they accepted Christ. And so when I say this week, I've, I've seen life because of spiritual life happen. But I've also seen death. But that song we just sang, I'm Not Alone, should be our anthem. Because we're not alone. We're not alone. Because our God walks before us. And so, you know, over the last several weeks, we've been doing a series that I've, I've liked to, I've called Back Porch Sundays. And we've talked about how sitting on the back porches growing up, some of us shaped our lives. And we've talked about good times and bad times and about forgiveness. And we've talked about, um, even last week, the scars that happened, sometimes on those back porches. You know, and today we're going to take another step deeper into the scars. And I, I'm going to introduce uh, my cousin. We've been cousins her whole life. Um, we're first cousins, and um, I'm her favorite cousin. And I can say that because I got the mic. But, uh, but anyway, Catherine, you can come on up, and I'll let you choose sides, whether you want to be right or left. But um, me and Catherine are really close. And so I know she cringes whenever I send her a text and say, you might not want to take this call when I call you because I'm about to push her outside her comfort zone. And so um, this morning, she's going to be on stage with me, and, and we're going to talk about scars, and we're going to talk about restoration, because I think so many times in our life, we use the excuse, well, you know, this happened to me, or this was done to me, or this and this, and we never let God be God, and we never serve Him fully. And so today, as we talk about scars, we're going to be talking a lot about restoration, and so I want to introduce this is Catherine Arnold. She lives right here in the area. She um, goes to Judson Baptist Church and is real active there. And um, she is a, if I say this right, a licensed counselor. Yes. Yes, she is a licensed counselor. She's what counsels me and keeps my little bit of hair left on my head sometimes. But anyway, we're going we're gonna to jump into it. And, and really, I've asked her just to, um, to kind of share her story. You know, even though we have half the same blood running through our veins... We have completely different scars. We have diff completely different circumstances in life that has shaped both of us to get us where we're at, even today, in our, in, in our ministries. And so, um, Catherine, you can, you can share, and I might ask a question every once in a while if that's okay, yeah, just to keep perfect. you on your toes. Okay, first of all, I'm really nervous, so I really appreciate your prayers as we go through this, because this is not about me. Um, in fact, it's all about God. 
And God is good, and his goodness is beyond our comprehension. So uh, let me just start by telling you that this morning my testimony is the lens for which I see it has changed somewhat. I left my son in the hospital this morning to come here. Um, and this experience of watching him, uh, he was in a wreck a week ago, and watching him struggle to recover um, it's just been a, a great experience and opportunity for me to see how God sees us when we're struggling to recover from things that happen to us that are outside of our control. Um, and how so much as parents, we want to just love on them and do everything for them, but it's always not in their best interest because he wouldn't grow and he was not going to get stronger to be able to walk again and do things again if I do things for him. And how much more, if I know this, does God allow us to walk through trials and tribulations so that we can grow in him? So um, Johnny and I are cousins, like he said. Um, his mom and my mom are sisters. And everybody knows how wonderful and amazing his mom is. I mean, you don't get any better than Aunt Gail. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate the power of prayer through her. Um, but my mom and my dad um, divorced when I was five, well, at seven, but they separated when I was five, and it was an ugly divorce. And I have two brothers, and we watched this divorce. We watched them fight. We watched a lot of things that a five-year-old shouldn't see. I've seen my mother pull a gun on my dad. I've seen, um, I've seen some really bad things. Um, we were exchanged back and forth at uh, the jail because they couldn't get along well enough to uh, exchange us anywhere else. Um, my mom got involved with a man shortly, probably in the, I can't exactly remember, but definitely during it. And right after, um, she married him. He was an alcoholic, and he was very abusive to me and my brothers. Um, and so my mom didn't always make the right decisions. And because of that, my brothers and I were hurt. Um, and then when I was seven and the divorce was final, because back in that day you had to go two years, she walked away. She gave up and she quit and she walked away. And so I'll never forget that seeing her leave. And um, my dad was there, of course, and he took full custody of us and he raised us. But something about your mom, you know. Immediately then, the framework of who I am was distorted. I felt not good enough. I felt like what was wrong with me that my mom didn't want me. Why didn't she fight for me? How could she just walk away? So I felt worthless, unlovable, unvaluable, rejected, abandoned. And these, these lies of who I was as a person was the lies that, that Satan used because there was just enough truth in it. My mom did walk away, so there's just enough truth in it that Satan could use it and say it was truth. And so I believe those things. Um, 
my parents, my dad, and uh, he remarried. And my stepmom, she's a wonderful woman. She is absolutely amazing. I consider his, her as my mother. But she wasn't the nurturing type. You know, my dad and her, she neither one was like, I'm going to kiss your bobo. And, you know, she just wasn't. Um, they knew, we knew our parents loved us because they provided for us and they took care of us. Um, but there was not a lot of room for I love you. There was not a lot of room for hugs. Um, and so I was always trying to get their approval by doing good and working. But they didn't bring us to church. That was not something that was important. Work was more important. Um, my aunt, my, my daddy's sister would, and I would go because it meant I would kick it out of work. And so that's what I did. I didn't go all the time because, I mean, it, would, it was about convenience and what was, you know, what was the bigger, better deal. But at 11 years old, I, um, I believed in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, as I knew him then. And it was scary because I had to walk in front of a lot of people and say, I am worthless and I am invaluable. And that's a scary thing when you already believe that and you know I, these things are true. But God said, there's something else. He said, but I love you. And so I did. I believed him and I walked down. But I was scared because I knew my dad wouldn't be okay with it. And his journey is a whole other journey and that is another story. Um, but... Um, I believed and was baptized at 11, but I was a babe, and I walked as a babe for a long time um, because I just, didn't have the discipleship that I needed to grow. So I went through life um, still struggling with not being valuable enough and lovable in this world, in the flatland. I knew that God loved me, but, you know, it's kind of hard to believe that this invisible God could love you like you know, unless you perform or you do something. Um, and so that was kind of my mentality. So I was bound and determined to figure that out and gain love. Um, and so I married young, and uh, I have two wonderful children from that, but the marriage didn't last. Um, so after about 10, 11 years, we divorced, and now I was convinced I was a failure and because how could God love me at this point? Because now, you know, God hates divorce, and he super duper says that in the Bible, wherever, you know, God hates divorce. So how could he love me now? Because I have turned against him and, and knowingly did something that was in violation of him. And so um, I ran from him. God was disappointed in me. That was the only person who truly loved me. And he was disappointed, so I was going to run. And when I ran, I ran. And I did everything and anything that the world promised to give me value. Um, I tried to find love in this world through relationships. I tried to find value through my career. Um, I tried to find a worth through things. Um, I was very successful. Um, I got a degree in chemistry and I worked in pharmaceuticals and my career was, was very lucrative. Um, and by the world standards, I traveled all the time. I made a lot of money. It was good. I bought lots of vehicles. I bought lots of clothes. I had everything that the world said was success. But I was empty um, and alone. 
and pretty much felt like I was never going to be good enough. So I, I stayed in this world for a little while, doing things that I thought would be good, and it, and it was just broken. And so um, in 2006, and I was in relationship, but I didn't, and, you know, it was just so empty. And in 2006, God was always there, but I never heard him. You know, the song, I'll praise you in the storm. And sometimes it's hard to hear him when you don't expect him to be there. It's hard to see him when you're not looking. Um, but he's always there. He's always been there, and he always will, no matter what you do. He's there. He sees you. He protects you, even when you don't realize it. And so in 2006, I, he called me to the altar in front of the church and on my face, and I did that, you know, holistically, I'm surrendering to his lordship. And it was not a pretty sight. <laughs> it was uncontrollable, and... I broke off everything that was not good for me, and it was not easy. And I decided on that day, Lord, and I remember saying this distinctly, if no one in this world loves me, I'm okay with that. I find that you love me more than I'll ever know, and I am good. I am good. And if anybody and everybody in this world abandons me, I'm okay with that because I know that you haven't and you won't. And so in 2006, that began my journey. Truly, I began to live. Um, I think you told me at some point, put on the seatbelt because you're on for a ride, and that's, that's the truth. That was. Um, in 2007, I wasn't looking for a relationship, and God gave me a most amazing man um, <laughs> who encouraged, encouraged and encourages me to do and to follow God no matter what. He didn't ask questions. Now, here he is marrying somebody with a very lucrative career who, you know, is making a lot of money, and all of a sudden, within the year of our marriage, we married in 2007, um, no, I guess within two years. In 2010, I'm coming to him saying, hey, God wants me to resign. He wants me to resign. He wants me to give up this career and go back to school, go to seminary, and use all of this hurt and all of these mistakes, and all of these injuries, and all of these scars for his purposes. Now that's scary, because how could I be useful for the Lord when I was still broken? I still believed lies that Satan did, even though I knew God loved me, and now I had this man who loved me, but by the way, in the first two years of marriage, I pushed and pushed and pushed against him, because I was convinced he was going to leave me, and hurt me, and not love me if he really knew me. And so I pushed against him, and he never left. And so here I am going and saying, I need to give up everything, and you need to give up everything. And every hope and security that we have, have in this world, I have to give up. And meanwhile, by the way, my mom is now in and out of my life. Um, seemingly, when it was convenient for her, I don't understand it all, but didn't really show up for the important things, you know. Um, and so struggling a whole lot with anger to her um, and not understanding because, you know, I'm a mom now and I can't imagine it. Um, 
I still struggle with that today and understanding. And I don't think I'll ever understand on this side of heaven. I don't think I ever want to really understand. It's not about me understanding. But so at this point, I gave everything up, went to seminary. And um, that is when God started putting me in uncomfortable positions. Um, Second Corinthians tells us that God allows us to go through things, tribulations and trials. Um, and he comforts us so that we can comfort others through the same thing. Uh, James tells us that we should count it all joy, right? When we go through trials, that doesn't make any sense. But he tells us to count it all joy because we don't change unless we go through trials. We don't change because we don't want to change. We want to stay comfortable. And when God allows us to go through these things, he grows us. Um, so, graduated, licensed professional counselor, licensed marriage and family therapist. Who becomes a licensed marriage and family therapist who's divorced? I mean, what story is that, right? But God uses everything in that regard. You have a question, I can tell it. No? Yeah. Okay. So, um, all my scars, all my, and some are outside my control, certainly, uh, that started young. Um, some are within my control. Because when you start looking for value, worth, and love through the things in this world, you're going to get hurt, and you're going to do things that are not smart or wise. Um, and those cause pain. And it causes a whole lot of things where you have to forgive yourself and forgive others. And we and ourselves can't do that, but God can. And so he calls us to himself so that we draw upon his strength. And that he uses the scars and he uses these injuries of our past not to see ourselves as ugly and useless and worthless, but to see ourselves as less of us and more of him. Because I went from looking at myself as empty and ugly and just a big scar to seeing myself as a vessel, no longer a clay pot but truly a vessel for the Lord to be glorified. Because the goodness that is in me is not me, but the goodness that is in me is God. And so now when I look and I see him in me, I'm overwhelmed with his love and his mercy and his grace. And I know that everything that has happened to me has happened for a purpose. Even this with my son, seeing him and knowing that I have to let him grow through this journey and do things has helped me understand God's grace and his mercy and allowing me to go through trials so that I can get, become closer to him. And if you want to know life verse, Luke seven forty seven. Luke 7.47 is about the woman who comes to Jesus and she cleans his feet with a perfume in her hair and uh, everybody is rebuking her except for Christ and he says she loves much because her sins are many but are forgiven. I have many sins but I am so forgiven much and those around me that have hurt me, they deserve the same forgiveness. And though I'll never understand my biological mother, 
I know God loves her. He loves me. Therefore, I love her. And I may not, I may not ever like have the relationship. And I may not ever overcome some of the things that uh, Satan tries to tell me when he twists those lies. You know, I may always have that thorn in my side of thinking that I'm not good enough. But when those times of feeling I'm not good enough, that's when I know God is great in me. So that's kind of as much as I can say my story in 10 minutes, whatever. Is that? Perfect. Okay. Perfect. Let me read this to you. You know, I think too many times in life, we, um, we take our story, we take our scars, and we say, God, you can't use me. God, you can't do this. And, you know, one of my heroes in the New Testament is this guy named Peter. And Peter was, he was out there, you know. Peter loved passionately, and he loved fiercely, but he constantly overstepped, and he constantly put his foot in his mouth, and he constantly acted, but he loved. And at one point, and, and you know, I'll just give you the history, you know, Jesus is getting ready for his death, and he says, Peter, you'll rebuke me three times. You'll deny me three times before the rooster crows. And Peter says, I'll die for you before I do that. And you fast forward a few scriptures and what happens? He denies him three times to save his life. But then he leaves and he goes back to his old life. He goes back to being a fisherman because that's what he knew. That's what he was comfortable with. And so he goes back to that. But then we have this beautiful picture in, in John 21 to where Jesus, after he had been resurrected, he, he came back to life and he shows back up. And he meets with, his, um, with, with that band of, of um, disciples. And they're sitting there eating breakfast together. And in John chapter 21, he says, And when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. But then he said to him, follow me. Two powerful words, follow me. You know, Jesus not only showed up, and I think that it was a beautiful picture because the three times that Peter denied, what did God do? What did Jesus do? He reinstated three times. 
because he wanted to tell Peter, my love is this big. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Take care of my sheep. But then he follows it up with two powerful words. Follow me. Don't just love me. Follow me. Do what I'm telling you to do. Go back to what I trained you to do. You're not a fisherman no more, Peter. You're a fisherman of men. And I think too many times in life we use our scars. All of us, if we go around this room, all of our stories are different. All of us have different scars. But our God's bigger than that. What does he tell us? Feed my sheep. Take care of my sheep. Follow me. Follow me. What are you going to do with this? What are you going to do with this? It would have been easy for Catherine to wallow in that and say, you know something, the world's dealt me a dirty blow. There's nothing that I need to do for God. He don't love me. Why would he let me do this? But now, because of her faithfulness and God's faithfulness, and if you was here last week, remember what I told you? He grabs us and some of our scars are him not letting go of us. Because she made a commitment at 11 years old. He never let go of her. And he held on to her all through her life. He loved her. He reinstated her. And he said, Catherine, follow me. And now she's helping people like me. Every day. Because she knew that her God was faithful. She knew the song that we sang, I'm not alone, is truth. This morning. What's truth to you? What's truth to you? Let's pray.